You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Very often when we talk about mindfulness, we tend to think about being calm and peaceful, being in the moment, being free of all cares and worries. And then, of course, we think about how far that is removed from the normal experience of everyday mad, crazy life. You could be forgiven for thinking. Actually, no, you couldn't be forgiven for thinking because we know from our previous episodes that thinking is a very dangerous thing. But let's let's stick with this for a minute. You could be forgiven for thinking that mindfulness is not really practical. Yeah, we can all have moments of peace and calm and relaxation. And wouldn't that be wonderful? But we still have to get up and go out our front door and clash with the reality of the madness of the outside world. Or do we? And now I, we do have to get up and go outside our door. We have to do what we have to do. And really, that is one of the key things that mindfulness enables us bring to our lives, the ability to do what we need to do and to say what we need to say. And yet, most of the emails that I get, most of the questions that I'm asked are related not to the joy of being in the moment, which is what mindfulness is all about, not being about, you know, having peace of mind or anything like that. They're all, all of the questions I get asked are about the trials and tribulations or the perceived trials and tribulations of everyday life. I'm regularly asked about loneliness, for example, constantly asked about anxiety. Almost every day, I'm asked about stress. Stress seems to be part of the human condition, basically. But then again, when you consider how the human mind evolved to enable us to trigger the stress response at the first suggestion of any threat, then when we're using our minds normally, stress is part and parcel of the human condition. You need to use your mind differently, obviously, because otherwise you will slowly and surely kill yourself as a result of what stress does to the body. We've talked about that before. We might talk about it, no doubt, again. But let me come back to the point that I was making a moment ago in relation to the challenges that ordinary life throws at us every day and how they make us feel. You know, when people talk to me about anxiety, for example, some people feel like curling up inside their little shell and staying there. And of course, that is not living your life to the full. When some people talk about frustration or indeed anger, they're actually talking about it in the context of their dealings with what I would describe as normal, crazy people. That's a phrase I use quite often. I, I want to just explore exactly what I mean by that for just a moment. So you know exactly where I'm coming from, because some people assume that when I use that phrase, I'm using it flippantly. It's not funny at all. It is not a phrase to be thrown around lightly. 
Harvard, along with a load of other august academic bodies, but Harvard started this out in the 1960s. Harvard reckons that 96% of people are not in control of their own state of mind. Now, I've been doing this since February 1996. So as things stand, I'm in my, what, 26th great year. Or am I in my 27th great year? I'm in my 27th great year. Um, I've been doing this for more than half of my working life at this stage. And I reckon that 4% is understated. I reckon people who are actually in control of their state of mind, who know exactly what they're doing and who know exactly in what direction they want their lives to move are few and far between. If I'm not in control of my own state of mind, in other words, let me put it in psychological terms, if I'm using my mind the way in which our brains evolved so that I use my mind on automatic pilot every day to enable me make it through the day because our brains evolved to enable us to survive. If I am using my mind that way, I'm not in control of my own state of mind, my automatic pilot is, and therefore I am absolutely stark raving mad. If I'm not in control of my own state of mind, I'm mad. That's the first point. The second point, the University of Chicago, the University of Milan, and a number of other august academic bodies have calculated that 96, for, for those 96% of people who are not in control of their own state of mind, they, generally speaking, only turn up to their lives to the extent of 1% of their potential. In other words, you're not present in your own life when you're using your mind normally. That is why I use the phrase normal crazy people. It describes, first of all, the vast majority of people who are using the brain that nature intended. Bear in mind, as I said a minute ago, nature only intended us to survive. Our brains are not designed to enable you achieve your goals and objectives. Your brain is designed to stop you doing what you need to do to live the kind of life you would love to live, including, by the way, dealing with normal crazy people, which is really what I want to talk about in today's episode. Your brain is designed to enable you make it through the day. And because your brain is designed to stop you doing the things that you need to do to live the kind of life you'd love to live, you remain convinced as a normal crazy person, that it is impossible to have the kind of life that your heart desires. For starters, your ordinary thinking mind would tell you that anything that you really want in life is probably unrealistic, or if it is realistic, you don't deserve it. They're all coming from the automatic thoughts that the automatic pilot is using to enable you make it through the day. There, uh, I've used the phrase automatic thoughts. That, that is, that's not quite true, but it is true because they're the same thoughts that you use every day. The neural lab in UCLA in California has calculated that we have 70,000 thoughts whizzing through our head every waking day. So that's not 70,000 thoughts every 24 hours. That's 70,000 thoughts every 15 or 16 
or 17 hours. Or for some people who really are crazy, it could be close to 24 hours because they're so mad they don't get a proper night's sleep, which, by the way, will kill you too, will lead to dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, that's another day's work. Um, when we're using our minds that way, we're not living our lives. We're not turning up to the here and now. We are thinking that we know what's going on through those automatic thoughts, those 70,000 thoughts that I mentioned. How can I say they're automatic? Well, the Neural Lab in UCLA in California has calculated that of the 70,000 thoughts that you are playing host to today, 97% of them are the same as the 70,000 thoughts to which you played host yesterday and tomorrow will be a repeat performance. How can that be? Because your mind operating on automatic pilot is using what any automatic pilot uses to enable you to get to your destination, a set of programs. Those set of programs are the hard coded thoughts that you learned when you were young and impressionable and in particular the hard coded thoughts that you learned about yourself. So when we use our mind normally, when in other words, we're a normal crazy person, we don't turn up to our own lives in the here and now. As I said, the research strongly suggests that only 1% of me is present or only 1% of my ability to be here is being used. The vast majority of the other 99% of my presence or attention is being paid to those 70,000 thoughts because they're the programs that enable me make it through the day. In other words, the vast majority of my ability to pay attention is paying attention to reruns of the past. No wonder people you know, go from one bad relationship into another bad relationship. No wonder people go from one bad job to a worse one. No wonder people keep saying that they're going to lose weight and don't. No wonder people get frustrated because they say they're going to lose weight and don't. They think there's something wrong with them. No, you're using the brain that nature gave you. So the vast majority of your ability to pay attention is being poured into the past. There's another bit of your ability to pay attention that is being poured into the future. Now you might say to yourself, well, hold on, isn't this good news? No, it's not. Because this is the what if part of your mind that leads to you thinking about and pouring your attention into what you don't want to happen. We call it worry. We call it worry, but basically what it is, and uh, you'd want to be a real idiot to actually do this, a real normal crazy person. Pouring your attention into what you don't want to happen so that you actually enhance the potential for it to actually happen. Because what we get in life is the result of where we pay our attention. If I'm paying my attention largely to the past, I'm never going to move forward. If I'm paying my attention as well to things that I don't want to happen in the future, things that I might be afraid would happen in the future, then I am enhancing my chances of wandering blindfold, blindfold by my 70,000 thoughts, into that. If I only put 1% of my attention into my own life, what kind of life do you think I'm going to live? Hmm? We know from quantum physics 
that we live in what might loosely be described as a large energy exchange machine. I put my energy in and I get something in return. It's some people call it karma. We, we won't go into karma because like, like anything that has been embraced by some religious traditions, it has been tainted. Very often people think what they know what karma is and they don't actually know what karma is. But karma is one of these words, one of these labels that many centuries or millennia ago was used to explain something that is actually a scientific fact. What you get in, you put out. Now, if I am a normal crazy person and I only put in 1%, I'm going to get almost nothing out. I'm not never, ever, ever going to do the things I need to do to live the kind of life I'd love to live. Pure and simple. I can sit here and put my hand on my heart and say that I would be 100% sure that I would be right. There's, there's decades of research backing that up. And in the last 20 years, there's a load of neuroscientific research that shows us exactly what's going on in the normal brain and how that is always going to be the outcome. So the outcome of a normal crazy mind is worry, mentioned that a minute ago, anxiety, stress. The normal mind sees threats around every corner. Or actually, let me be more precise in relation to that. The normal mind thinks it knows what's going on. It doesn't, but it thinks it does, using some of those 70,000 thoughts that I mentioned a few minutes ago. The normal mind thinks it knows what's going on. It then asks itself, do I think I'm able to cope with what I think is going on? Now, most people will answer that in the negative. They'll say no. Why? Because the stuff that you learned about yourself when you were three or four or five years old during your formative years is largely negative. So therefore, you're rattling around in a negative pool of thought, thinking that you know what's going on, thinking that you're probably not up to coping with it and triggering the stress response, which is wreaking havoc in your digestive system, in your immune system, in your cardiovascular system. It's going to give you heart disease. It's going to give you cancer. You're going to kill yourself slowly but surely. As I said a couple of weeks ago, death by 70,000 thoughts. So let's come back to anxiety or let's come back to how I deal with people who make me anxious because I've been asked a number of questions about this recently. And, and this covers a, a multitude. It covers, for example, bullies. Bullies in the workplace, bullies at home, bullies in the sports club. And <laughs> bullies abound in sports clubs very often. Actually, it's the only place a bully can get people's attention because their lives are so pathetic elsewhere. And I actually mean that because because what a bully is looking for is your attention. A bully isn't trying to impose something on you. A bully is so insecure that his or her perceived inadequacies need to be papered over by the attention you would give him or her as a result of them literally stealing your energy. I talked about the energy exchange machine a little earlier on. That's what's actually going on. There is scientific proof that this is actually happening in the bully situation. They're sucking your energy from you and you don't want to give it, obviously. So it's an unwilling giving of your energy and they're literally draining you. 
and you feel it and you feel it in your gut and you feel it in your body and you feel it as a result of the stress response you might feel sick in your stomach as a result but that's only because of the stress response to what you think is going on and that is only because you are allowing the bully take your energy i was asked black and white a single sentence email last week i have to deal with this person at work who is constantly bullying me. What am I going to do? And my answer was a single sentence back, ignore her and she'll go away. And I obviously elaborated ever so slightly, but what I actually said was, stop giving her your attention and energy. That's all she's looking for. Get an email a few days later, she's gone away. I get an email a couple of days ago from somebody else. I thought I was free and easy in my life as a result of all the meditation that I've been doing as a result of indeed being part of my online program. And she said, then I met somebody who I hadn't met for a number of years who had done me awful wrong a number of years ago. And all the thoughts came flowing back. How can I protect myself from the anxiety, indeed, almost the anger that that triggered in me? And my answer was stop giving those thoughts your attention. When you give those thoughts your attention, you feed the beast. And what you do is you allow the automatic pilot spring back into action and enable you, and enable is the wrong word really, evaluate whether or not you're able to cope with what this person isn't doing to you now, but did to you a long time ago. Uh, you know, only a fool would actually continually repeat something that was done to them by somebody else in the first place. Why would you do it to yourself over and over again? By giving your attention to those thoughts. Now, let me be explicit here. The stress, the anxiety, the frustration, the anger, the worry, all the bad stuff I've mentioned are a result of you paying attention, paying your, giving your energy to the thoughts that you're carrying around with you. I explained that earlier on when I talked about the 70,000 thoughts. Those thoughts on their own are nothings. They are only given life by the life you breathe into them by allowing your mind operate normally so that your automatic pilot pays attention to those thoughts. A thought on its own is a nothing. A thought plus your attention is your version of reality at this moment in time. So how do you deal with, say, thoughts around anxiety or anger at, at having been treated in a certain way in the past? You don't give your attention to the thoughts because the thoughts are nothing without your attention. How can I do that? Well, you do that very easily. And again, at this stage, there's donkey's years of research that confirm what I'm about to say. You train your mind to pay attention to reality instead of paying attention to your thoughts. The training is meditation. Now I know that puts some people off, but I could call it mental exercise. Many, many years ago, I had a client, I must've met him probably 22, 23 years ago, one of my earlier clients. And after a couple of years of training himself, 
after a couple of years of getting his mind to the point where he was in what the University of Chicago that I alluded to earlier on calls flow. In other words, he was just doing effortlessly what he needed to do to create the kind of life that he wanted to live. He was getting such a a, a kick out of this. Imagine living your life to the full. He was getting such a kick out of this. He said, I want you to work with the team of people that I'm in charge of so they can get it too and so that we can all get it together and move our business forward. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. He said, I have one condition. He said, uh, now this is probably 1999, 2000 maybe. He said, I want you to do it but I don't want you to tell them that they're meditating. You're going to have to find some other way of breaking it to them. And he actually said to me, real men don't meditate. And here he was, a real man meditating seven mornings a week. We called it mental exercising, but they weren't fools. They knew exactly what they were doing. But the point I'm making in recounting that short tale is that meditation is only a label. It doesn't matter what you think of meditation. Indeed, actually, there, there, that's an interesting aside, isn't it? If you have any misgivings about meditation, it's only as a result of you giving attention to the thoughts that would give rise to the misgivings that you think you have about meditation. Park them, get rid of them, for there are nearly 25 years research now in relation to what meditation does to the brain. The most fundamental thing it does for starters is it allows you take charge of your ability to pay attention. And that means that you can choose to pay attention to the thoughts that are holding you back. Only a fool would do that. Or you can choose to pay attention to the reality of the here and now, bearing in mind what you're trying to achieve. This I've referred to, and owners of the online program will be very familiar with it. This is what I refer to as the two-piece jigsaw. I'm present because I'm paying attention to the here and now, and I know why I'm present. I know what I want out of today. I know what I want out of now. I know what I want out of life. If you're interested in learning more about how you can put these two simple pieces of the two-piece jigsaw to work for you in your life, to bring about the life that you really want, click the link that goes with today's podcast episode because right now I have three sessions uh, a little free online training program that explains the nuts and bolts of what I'm talking about here explains the science behind it because that's very important because we need to understand that this is a scientific process because otherwise it might be just a good idea that only worked for me or a couple of people that I've taught over the years no the science proves that it works for everybody and that means it'll work for you now I got an email this morning to say that the link that I've just mentioned. I mentioned in last week's podcast episode as well, and they couldn't find the link. So I'm going to post the link in the show notes that go with today's episode, just so you know. But coming back to the point I want to make. The anxiety that arises as a result of me looking forward to something that I don't want to happen. The anxiety of having to deal with a bully. The anxiety of having to deal with bad behavior in a family situation. I'm going to come on to that in just a moment. First of all, you can avoid all of that anxiety by stopping what you're normally doing, stopping giving your attention to those thoughts. And when those thoughts try to grab your attention, as they will, 
and they'll continue to until you become adept through meditation at being present to your own life in the here and now. Many more times than 1% present in your life. You're going to start living your life to the full. But those thoughts will pop up from time to time. And what you need to do is take a couple of deep breaths, mini meditate, as I call it, come back into the moment and pay attention to the here and now. Uh, as I said a minute ago, meditation for starters enables you come into the here and now and know what's going on. But that's only the beginning of the whole adventure because meditation actually restructures your brain. So sooner or later, you don't pay attention to your thoughts anymore. And sooner or later, you're living in flow. You're one of these four percenters. You're one of these people who is turning up to your own life. But what is the specific question that I was asked and that I want to finish on in this particular episode? What if I am being bullied in a family situation? Or what if I am having to deal with a normal crazy person within the family environment? Now, as I said, I've been doing this for more than a quarter of a century at this stage. And unfortunately, most of the conversations that I have in relation to difficult people or conflict are in relation to family situations, not work situations. Work situations are easy to deal with. You can, as I said to my friend that I mentioned earlier on, you can simply stop paying attention to the bully and the bully will go away. But what if you're married to the bully? You know, I've been talking for the last nearly 30 minutes at this stage about being present in the moment. Somebody on Facebook Live said to me just over a year ago, but what if I don't want to be present in the moment? What if I hate my now? And I discovered afterwards because eventually we worked together one-to-one -one and then she bought the online program or maybe it was the other way around. I discovered that it was a family situation and it was a desperate family situation. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to go into the details. It was an appalling situation in which she found herself. And over the course of the last 13 months at this stage, she has actually got to the point where all of that is gone. All of it is gone. The anxiety went first because the anxiety was only thinking about the awful situation. The awful situation went subsequently as a result of her having a clear understanding of what was going on, because she wasn't thinking about it anymore. She was experiencing reality as a result of training her mind to pay attention to the reality of the moment. And as a result of understanding exactly what was going on, she decided to take action. Now, she took action that her thinking mind would never consider taking because the thinking mind would say, oh, you couldn't do that or you couldn't say that. The thinking mind is the bit of you that always gets in the way and stops you doing what you know you need to do to change your life for the better. Obviously, no one would want to change their life for the worse, would they? I mean, if you're using your mind normally, it's pretty bad as it is. You wouldn't want to go more in that direction, would you? Listen to what I'm saying here. This all boils down to you being present, being focused, if you want to call it that, although an awful lot of people misunderstand what focus actually is. Focus is being fully present in the here and now. You know, people often say to me, oh, I'm focused on my goals. But your goals are going to be achieved in the future. You can't focus on the future. The Oxford Dictionary definition of focus is paying attention to what you're doing now. 
And by the way, that's almost the same as the definition of mindfulness that comes from the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Paying attention to what you're doing now. When you're paying attention to the reality of the here and now, the thoughts that would otherwise say to you, oh, you can't do this, or you can't say that, or you'd need to be brave and courageous to do this, that, or the other, those thoughts are gone. And you just do what feels right. You do what you know you need to do. The secret to all this, there's no secret at all. What you must do is train your mind so that you have control over your state of mind, so that you shift from being a normal crazy person to being a four percenter, to being somebody who is turning up to your life. And as a result of turning up to your life and putting more than 1% of your energy and attention into your life in the here and now and getting so much more in return. What's the so much more? The so much more is the life that you really and truly want to live the life your heart desires and the whole thing it's all in your own hands it's down to how you use the piece of equipment between your ears and how through training you restructure that piece of equipment to make it fit for purpose the purpose of living your life to the full you've been listening to to succeed just let go to get involved join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-dash.com.